All right? All right, we are going to head into Philippians. If you would turn in the Bible to Philippians chapter 2, I'll reorganize what I've got going on up here. We'll get started. It's Christmas time, right? I, I am excited. You know how I am about it. I love Christmas. I wish Christmas would be. I, I would like this up all year long, right? Uh, I know a lot of you, it gets old. I saw a, a meme or a post this, uh, this year. It really uh, encouraged me and made me smile. It was one that had a calendar of November and a calendar of December, and it just had a box around all the dates, and it said Christmas. And then there's a little square in the middle that had like the November 25th, 26th, 27th, and it was blocked off, and it said Thanksgiving, right? Because Christmas should be November and December all year long. A lot of people don't like to hear any Christmas music until December. I get that. I, I understand. But it's so good. In our house, we play Christmas music all the time. It's one of our Pandora channels. My kids love it. I love it. Um, and, and we should love Christmas because it's all about Christ, right? I'm not telling you you have to play music 24-7 in your house like we do, right? Or have to have your house decorated all the time. That's okay. But we ought to love Christmas because that's the advent of Christ. When, when God came and humbled himself and then became obedient unto death. So today uh, we start our Christmas series. And the Christmas series is called Heaven Came Down. Heaven came down, and, and we, we, we try to look at this from different angles every year, so it's not always the same thing, because I think routine and tradition is good, but routine and tradition also starts to dull things, doesn't it? And it makes it a little bit uh, less enthusiastic. And when we see Christmas, we, we think, okay, let's get our nativity out. In fact, as we decorate the Christmas, we have a nativity in front here with a little baby Jesus. We have one out in the lobby with a little baby Jesus, and it's all about the baby Jesus. And, and it kind of, we know the story. It gets familiar to us, doesn't it? It's Christmas, it's baby Jesus, lying in a manger, we know it's Christmas. But it's more than that. And as we look at this from the idea of heaven coming down, we want to see this from the eyes of heaven and, and what exactly was going on and is going on to accomplish Christmas. And, and why was Christmas accomplished? Not just how great it was that he was born in, and he was in a manger and he's baby Jesus. It's bigger than that. So today, uh, through, and through this Advent year, we're going to see uh, that heaven came down. We're going to see through the eyes of heaven and, and our hope is that you would see Christmas elevated because of that as well, because we're seeing it from a heavenly perspective. It would elevate our perspective, and that we would treasure Him more. So today we look at our first sermon in the series this month. It's called Glorious Humility. Glorious Humility. If you're in Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to read uh, the scripture, uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to come and to, and to be excited about the advent of Christ, that he came from heaven, gave up his glory and his position to come down and put on flesh in the most lowly of ways to be born and then to grow up, but God ought to offer himself as a sacrifice. So we thank you for that. We thank you that during this time of the year we can fix our eyes on you even more. God, that we would elevate our thoughts of you and our, our feelings of you, God, that we would see you as the glorious one, God, that we would embrace you even in your, humi you, in your humility that you offered yourself for us. God, help us to see clearly the scripture today, open our hearts and minds to be receptive, and God, help us to, to apply them that we might look more and more like Jesus every day. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're in Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read uh, 5 through 11. It's the main passage about Christ's humility and exaltation, uh, but we're only going to cover a brief amount of that today. 
Paul says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Well, today we're going to break down a little bit of that, the first couple of verses, in fact. Um, and and I, I think it's important for us to, to think through this in our own hearts, that, that we do. We set up nativities, right? We, we almost, and we, we, make, we make it a little bit... Uh, we, we actually make Christmas lack some luster, right? That, that, that it's not quite what it should be. It's, it's almost like we window shop for uh, the amount of Jesus we really want in our homes and the amount of, of Jesus that we really want in our minds and our hearts, right? We kind of balance between Christmas carols and then just Christmas music, right, with decking the halls. And, and that's okay, but there should be a challenge in our hearts to see Christ uh, as the exalted one that he is, not just as a window shopping uh, choice we might make in our lives. So I think it's very important for us to see that as we look at this text today, we want to see him uh, elevated as, as the glorious one that he is. Not more glorious than he, than he is, but as glorious as he is. We, and we need to see him more clearly in that. So uh, today we're going to separate this into two sections. The glorious humility is, is uh, separated in the glory of Christ and the humility of Christ. We're going to look at that in our text today. So number one, number one is the glory of Christ. We see that in Philippians Look at uh, chapter 2 there, verses 6, and uh, we're going to look at verse 6b. And, and when you break up a, a text, you'll see these. And in fact, a text could be broken up into A, B, C, D, even depending on where the commas are and, and the emphasis on that. But usually A and B means it's the first half or the second half of the verse, and there's reasons for that. Um, when the authors wrote this, the, there weren't chapters and verses. They just wrote, right? And someone else added numbers later, and maybe they're not in the right position or, or correct understanding for what we're doing. So that's, that's what that means. So if you look at verse 5, if you just take the name there, Christ Jesus, he, he's saying adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. So who are we talking about here? Christ. We're talking about Christ. And then it goes on, we see in verse 6, who, who is that? Jesus Christ, right? Who, existing in the form of God. That's what we look at right there. It's, it's, it's I'm sorry, it's 6a is what we're looking at. Uh, who existing in the form of God. We'll stop there. Paul is talking about Jesus Christ who was existing in the form of God. What does that mean? Well, Jesus is God, right? We, we teach that. We believe that. That's the doctrine uh, and what we find in the, in the Scriptures, that Jesus is God. Well, how does that happen? You know, and if Jesus is God, he should not lack any luster in our hearts, right? He should be elevated in our hearts, and we should see him as the glorious one. Uh, Hebrews 1.3 1, says this about Jesus. It says, The Son... The Son of God, Jesus Christ, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. You know, there are a lot of people who want to think, oh, yeah, it's Jesus. It's just, it's just Jesus. And then when Christmas is over, we, what do we do with Jesus? We wrap him back up and put him in a box and put him on a shelf. Christmas is much more than that. Christmas should be that reminder of how much we should treasure Christ. So even when we put decorations away, he is treasured and exalted as he should be because he is the glorious one. He is, the Son is the radiance of the glory of God. 
That the glory of God is what this is about. And, 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 and here's something I've said this before. When we understand how different things are, we, we appreciate them more, right? Uh, so when we maybe go to a different culture, uh, we might go to a, a culture like England, right? Great Britain. Is that really much different than us? Not really, right? So you, you may not appreciate it as much. But you go to, go to somewhere in, in maybe Central America or South America, or you go to, to Africa, or you go to e, uh, East Asia, well, I tell you what, you're in for a culture shock, aren't you? And you're going to see the, the wide chasm that that's created, and you're like, wow, this is amazing. This is something different, and you're going to see those differences. The same is true with us when we talk about our own sin in our life. When we see that we are actually sinful, like it's not just that, well, you're good, and I'm good, and maybe you're a little bit better, but we're pretty much the same. But when we see that we're all just sinners separated by God because of our sin, and God is sinless and perfect and holy and pure, what does that do? For us and God, we think, oh, well, we're okay. No, God is perfect, and in his, perfect, he's holy, uh, in his perfection, he's holy, and he's just, and he's pure, and we are not. And what does that do? It separates us further, doesn't it? You see this greater contrast develop. So when we talk about Jesus coming and laying in a manger, it, we have to go a little further than just the baby in the manger, don't we? The baby in the manger is the exact representation of God. The, the, he, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. So as we look at the manger, we see the glory of God among us. That should mean something. That should elevate the manger, shouldn't it? That should, it's not just, oh, it's just a baby. You know, and, it, and we don't say that. I mean, if you're a parent and you've had a baby, you don't just say it's just a baby, right? It's my baby. It, it, it's, it's so meaningful. And, and, and Jesus was to Mary and Joseph. But that baby... That flesh that is, is the flesh that the glory of God took on. So we see the glory of God. The sun is, is the radiance of God's glory, the exact expression of his nature. We go to Colossians 1 and we see this, this extreme picture of the preeminence of Christ or the first place of Christ, the glory of Christ. Paul says this, he goes on there in, in 1. Uh, he says, he, that is Jesus, is the image of of the invisible God, the firstborn of, over all creation. He, he was first place for everything. Here, here, everything was created by him. Still talking about Jesus. right? We're still talking about the baby in the manger here, aren't we? It says everything was created by him in heaven and on earth. The visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. This is, you, you know who we're talking about, right? The baby in the manger. So we're elevating, we're seeing him for who he really is. The, he's the glory of God. He, he's equally God. He's the exact representation of God. Why? Because there's God the Father, there's God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is God. All things have been created by him and through him and for him, right? He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. Can you believe that? The baby in the manger is holding everything in the universe together. It's amazing. The contrast we're seeing, we're seeing this, this be elevated because this view is from heaven. He is also the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. He's, he's saying he's the one that came, he lived, he died, he gave himself, he rose victoriously, and he, and he did that so that we could also share in that. And then verse 19 in Colossians, it says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that is Christ, and then through him, that is through Christ, to reconcile everything to himself. So, so God 
the glorious God came in, in flesh as Jesus and gave himself out of, out of a pleasure to you and to me, for us, so we might be reconciled to him and that relationship of our, our, our sin nature might be fixed and resolved with Jesus. How do you do that? It says by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I have, a, I have a neighbor up the street on Pine Grove who has three angels in front of their yard and it says peace on earth. Peace on earth. I love that. I love the idea. That's, that's the, the herald in, in uh, Isaiah 9, right? Or, or when the angels came and, and told the shepherds, right? This is about God coming to make peace on earth. This is the glorious God of the universe. There is none greater. We don't, we don't window shop for, for saviors. We don't window shop for religious preferences. We, we go to the source. We go to the glory of God and, and see the baby lying in the manger, Jesus, who is the exact representation of God's glory for us. That's chapter 1 of Colossians. Paul continues that in, in chapter 2. He says, now be careful for you and I, like this window shopping thing. Be careful that no one takes you captive. It's, it's dangerous. And maybe why we're dull to Christmas is because we turn on the radio and it's not about Jesus, as it should be. Or we're not singing the songs about Jesus that we should be. Maybe that's why we're dull. It's like, this isn't really meaningful. The bells only go so far for me. right? The, the trees and the lights only go, do so much for me. Maybe that's why you're dulled to it. But Paul says here, see, see to it that no one takes you captive. Through what? Through philosophy, through empty deceit, based on human traditions, based on the elements of this world rather than on Christ. What Paul's saying is, listen, be careful. Everything out there wants to take your attention. Everything else out there wants to take your attention away from Jesus. But he says, be careful to not let that happen. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. He says, the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Jesus really is God with us. Amen? It's God with us. Right? It's, it's not just another option and there's other things to do. It's, it's all about Jesus. Revelation 4 says that our, our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will they exist and were created. It's just, again, elevating Christ, that he is the glorious one. What does this mean for us? That's the important thing. What does this mean for us? It's, it's more than a, it needs to be more, right? Christmas time needs to be more than this religious crutch. It needs to be more than window shopping for a savior or for a nativity set that we can just elevate the baby. It's God in the flesh, right? It's more than just a story that we review at Christmas time. This is so important. At our, our Hanging of the Boughs, we did a devotion, and I just shared a devotion that I had read, and, and it, it challenged us. Yeah, we might know the story, but do you know the Savior? Are you embracing the Savior? So it might, not, it might be a review, but it shouldn't be just a review, right? It shouldn't be, Jesus is not just a review to review the story at Christmas time. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory in our midst. For us, for you. The radiance of God's glory in our midst for you and for me. For God loved the world in this way. God loved the world that he gave his one and only son, the glorious one who existed in all eternity past and is the radiance of the glory of God. He gave that son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. God 
did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, seeing him for his glory tells us this. It tells us that he is worth it. That he's worth it. That there's no window shopping needed for some other religious system. There's no window shopping needed for different preferences or, or just kind of set them aside on a different uh, credential or counter. It, it's, that's not needed. Jesus is our everything and that he is totally worth it because he's the glorious one. And, and the least likely people, me, right, and you, can find the most amazing joy in him because of who he is. And if we're amazed at the involvement of the glory of God, it should move us to action. It should move us to say, you know what, I'm all in. I'm all in this Christmas and I'm all in forever. I want to just show you this in the Christmas scene because it's Christmas time. In Luke chapter 2, I want to read verses 18 through 15. It's a familiar story. Again, we don't want it to be too familiar, right? If you want to turn there, you can. Luke chapter 2. We begin in verse 8. It says this, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Now, what's happened here? Christ has been born, right? And, and let's see what shows up. Let's see how big of a deal this is. Verse 9, Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and what? And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Let me ask you this. Was this an ordinary heralding? Was this an ordinary baby? Not at all, right? This is the glorious one, worthy of all glory and honor and praise. And the angels are proclaiming that, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and the, the, the shepherds were terrified. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you, Good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host. Again, this glory radiating, right? Uh, with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. That's a glorious scene, isn't it? That's the glory of God, right? It's shown round about them. When the angels left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, this is, this is what we ought to do for you and I. This is our application because of the glory of God. This is what they did. They said this, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Here's my question for you. Does he in his glory, move you? Does he move you? Are you moved by that? I hope he does. You see, knowing something, right? Again, knowing something is very different than paying deep attention to it, right? Believing something, just reviewing the story is far different than acting on it. When we see Jesus as the glorious one, we, we ought to, you and I, like the shepherds, have the same response. The Lord said it. Let's go see it. The Lord said it. Let's go see it. It wasn't just, oh, a baby's been born down the street. Let's go check it out later on. No, the Lord came in all of his glory. Let's go with him. Let's act on that. There should be action in our heart. 
That's the first section, the glory of Christ. Number two is the humility of Christ. So we see the glory of Christ. And, and hopefully, again, this, this is widening the gap between this baby in a manger and, and the glory of heaven. So we see how amazing and how astounding it is. The story is more amazing than we could ever have dreamt. But then we see the humility of Christ. So if you go back to Philippians now, turn back to Philippians. We're going to check out the, the next part of uh, verse 6 and into 7. Again, we kind of divide it in half, right? We just covered this idea that Christ, uh, who existed in the form of God, right? And this all of his glory, all of the divinity. Jesus is God in the flesh. But then what, what, what did it go on to say? Because Paul was talking to the, uh, the church at Philippi saying, your attitude should be the same as this, this attitude of Christ. So what did Christ do? What did the, the glorious one do? Well, at the end of verse 6, first of all, he existed in the form of God. But what? He did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Other translations say, or grasped, or used to his own advantage, or held on to, right? So he didn't consider that as something to be grasped onto. He goes further. Uh, what is it? What happened? Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant. And we'll stop right there. We'll, we'll cover the rest of this in a few weeks. But I, I, I want us to see this humility of Christ. We see the glory of Christ. He's the glorious one, but he emptied himself. He didn't, he didn't consider it as something to be grasped onto. Now, I, I want us to see how this is different because you and I, spend, or in humanity, spends most of their life trying to grasp on to God, to be better, to do better, to earn more, to, to be found worthy, to be counted worthy. We do that, right? We'll do whatever it takes at times to, to think or to fool ourselves that we actually are worthy. The truth is we are not. And this is the point. This is the reason why Jesus let go of the glory of God. He didn't, he didn't consider it something to be held on to. Now you and I, we think we have to hold on to it for dear life. That we spend most of our lives trying to do that. And this is found in Genesis. We see this in Genesis chapter 3 with this, when the serpent comes and tempts Adam and Eve. Now first, let's, a little background. The serpent was kicked out of heaven. Why? What was he trying to do? usurp God. He wanted, he wanted to be God. What was he trying to do? Grasp the glory of God. We get that? That's what the serpent was trying to do. That's what Satan wanted. He wanted the glory of God. God said, no, I'm God. You're not. Get out. He cast Lucifer out, took a third of the angels with him. Now we have him to contend with here, right? He's in the garden, though. He shows up in the garden. He had already been cast out, he fell from heaven, and, and he had been grasping to be like God, and now he comes and tempts us to do the same thing. So we see in verse 1 of chapter 3, the serpent was more cunning than all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, right, he threw doubt in her heart, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit in the tree in the middle of the garden, God said you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. So having a conversation, Satan is there tempting, saying, Did God, is God really who, he, who he, you think he is? is? See all that? And then his response to her. What, what is his response? No, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Interesting, isn't it? Satan tried to grasp the glory of God, and now what is he tempting Adam and Eve to do? To grasp at the glory of God. You and I are the same. 
You and I who do not have the glory of God and are not the glory of God and are not God are trying to be more like God. That's a nice way of saying it, right? I want to be more like God. Of course, we want to be more like Jesus, right? But, but you and I usually try to be God ourselves. But then you have Jesus, right, who is God, who is the glorious one. He doesn't have to grasp for the glory of God. He has it. He is it. And what does he do with it? He lets it go. Now, it doesn't mean that when he came to earth, he wasn't God anymore. He was still God in the flesh. But, but he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to take on humanity and human flesh. I, I, I created all these guys, but I'm going to let them kill me and crucify me on a cross. The glorious one said, I'm, I'm not going to grasp at what I am and what I should deserve and what I would have always been. I'm going to let that go so I can meet them in their deepest need. See, Jesus was in the form of God, right? Satan and Adam grasped for the glory and for the form of God, but Jesus was in the form of God, and he sought to humble himself, to let go of the radiance of the glory of God. Jesus, here's what Jesus did. He stepped outside of God's glorious presence, and he died for all those things that stop us from being able to step into God's glorious presence. You see, you and I are kept from God's glorious presence because of our sin. And Jesus came, humbled himself to make a way. Why? Because his grace reigns. God stepping down from glory was a means of grace for you and for me. We see that in Romans 5, talking about God as one man and Adam as one man, or Jesus and God, or sorry, Jesus and Adam. It says, for just as though through one man's disobedience, that one man is Adam, the many were made sinners. So through Adam, we all are now cursed and we all sin. Also through the one man's obedience. Who's the one man's obedience? It's Jesus. The many will be made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, where we just couldn't get it right. As, as much as we keep grasping and trying to grasp at the glory of God, we can't get it right. Where sin multiplied, grace. Grace multiplied even more. And grace is not of your doing. Grace is not something you can grasp onto and say, oh yeah, this is what I got. Grace is undeserved merit. Where does that come from? The one that was the glorious one, is the glorious one, who came for you. It says, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace, grace will reign, right? Grace reigns through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, he stepped, he stepped away from glory. The thing we're grabbing onto and grasping on, he stepped away from glory to save us who could never step into it because of our sin. That's the amazingness of God. The glory of God didn't just stay the glory of God and grandeur and holy and just. It, it is. But he decided to carry out that justice on himself, so he humbled himself. What did that look like? Well, it's Isaiah chapter 53. If you want to turn there with me, Isaiah 53, 2. Here's what I would tell you to do as we turn there, though. You and I, if we want to really appreciate Christmas, we want to really embrace Christmas and Christ this Christmas, we have to stop grasping. Stop grasping. Stop trying to be glorious on your own. Stop trying to be enough on your own. Stop trying to earn it your own. Jesus did it for you. Stop grasping. You can't get there on your own. You aren't good enough. I'm not good enough. But Jesus, the glorious one, is. 
And what did he do when he humbled himself? Isaiah 53, 2 through 6. says it's about Jesus. It's a prophecy about, it, about him. He grew up before him uh, like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him, no appearance that we should desire him. Imagine that. The, the glorious one doesn't have any appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like somebody people turned away from. He was despised, and we did not value him. Let me, let's stop there for a minute. This is why we didn't value him. Because we value glory. We value grasping at glory. We value those who have grabbed on to so-called, quote-unquote, glory. And it is actually not. We value that. So when we see the humble and the meek, we're like, I don't want to go there. I don't want anything to do with that. But that's exactly what the God of the universe did and had to do for you and for me. He was despised and we didn't value him. Verse 4, yet he himself, he himself, where you should have been, where I should have been, he himself bore our sickness. He carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him as stricken and struck down by God and, and afflicted. There must be something wrong with him. He was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed because of our iniquities, because of our sins, a punishment for our peace. You want peace on earth, right? How do we get peace? The punishment for our peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way, again, grasping for our own glory. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. We, we, we grasp and we grasp and he lets go and comes down and does what we could never do and accomplishes what we could never accomplish on our own so that through faith in Christ, we could be brought into glory. Isn't that amazing? That's Christmas. Hebrews tells us that. Chapter 2, verse 9. We do see this Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a short time, right? So Jesus who was the glory of God, the glorious one, he is God, was made lower. He humbled himself for a short time so that by God's grace, again, there's a means of grace to us, he might taste death for everyone. That's what Jesus did. He died for everyone. Crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, right? Because he will be exalted again. He, he was exalted again. For in, and here, here's what it says, for in bringing many sons and daughters to glory. You see, that, that's the mission. And there's more to this passage, but that's the mission of God. The glory of God is seen. He's the glorious one. And then the humility of Christ is seen. And what is the mission? For you and I to be able to stop trying to grasp at the glory of God and for him to bring many sons and daughters to glory. You see, we're only brought to glory. We can only take hold of glory through Jesus Christ, the Son. Yeah, it's that little baby lying in a manger who is the radiance of the glory of God and who took on human flesh to be born in a lowly way, to live and then to die and take my place and to take your place so we could have life. So again, seeing him in his glory means he's worth it. He's valuable. We should chase after him and say, I'm all in. And seeing him in his humility shows us that he came to help us so that through faith in him that we could stand in the presence of his glory, forgiven and made righteous. See, Christ humbled himself so he could take on flesh. 
to be born, to live, to die, and offer himself as a payment for your sin, as a payment for my sin. I, I know, I know you know the story. I know the story. I, I don't want this December to be just about knowing the story. I want it to be that we would know him and that we would know that heaven came down for you. Amen? Let's stand together as we worship and as we pray. Father, you are amazing. And, and God, help us to, to get rid of the distractions during this Christmas time where, where it would just promote the ordinary story, the, the familiar story. God, we know the story. Help us to know you. Help us to see you as the glorious one. The, the one that's worthy of all of our attention, all of our affection. The one that is so worth it and so valuable. And without you, we can do nothing. God, help us also to stop grasping and trying for the glory of God ourselves. God, help us to not, not think we can do it on our own, but God, to humble ourselves and embrace the fact that you left glory for us. You became flesh so you could die for us that we might live through faith in Christ and God, that you would make us through Christ sons and daughters of glory. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.